When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. Colts fans, welcome into the Blue Horseshoe Pod, a live edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. George and I thought after a big game going into at least going into this week, thought huge game here for the Titans, really kind of changed the direction or, or really set the direction of this Colts season, either good or bad. And George, after a 24-17 loss, the fifth loss in six times now to the damn Titans, the Colts are 1-2-1. Are one, and one. And I think it's fair to say after four games, we know what this team is. It's not a very good team. No, it's, it's a team that self-destructs right now. I mean, I think that's the biggest, through four weeks, that's the biggest takeaway that we can have. I mean, today it's three turnovers uh, that end up being fatal. Uh, the offensive line, I thought, you know, run blocking again was not there. Uh, I think you had 42 yards on 20 carries for Jonathan Taylor, which is just not him. He ended up, you know, fumbling the last fumble away on, on a third and two, uh, which is also not him. Uh, but, you know, I thought the pass protection was a little bit better today, but it's not going to get you very far. Uh, it just feels like right now with this team, you put out one fire over here and three more kind of crop up somewhere else. And, you're not going to win games in the NFL that way. You're not going to win games at any level that way. No, you're absolutely not. Colts fans, we appreciate you joining in right here for at least the live edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod live after this Colts loss. We asked you this question, and we'll discuss it throughout the pod here, is who do you think right now for the 1-2-1 one, and one start to the season, who is the most to blame? Because, George, there's a lot of blame to go around, and we will definitely get into it. Matt Ryan fumbling issues again. This offensive line has just been inept and has regressed so far for what is supposed to be the best offense line and one of the best offense line and is the highest paid offense line in the NFL. They've played nowhere near that level. The defense and the second half is outstanding. The first half is awful. So you have so many different areas and avenues to, to kind of dive into this just brutal loss here for the Colts. But like I said, we discussed it and circled this game here for the Colts going into this week as going to be a measuring stick game. We've seen some good, some bad, and some ugly so far through the first three games of the season. We really thought now that you kind of get some of the, the kinks out in the first three weeks, this has to be a game that is going to set the direction for the season. And so far, like you mentioned, this is a team that self-destructs. It's even more frustrating because last week, you saw this team close against the Chiefs and make those winning plays that a lot of the times last year, they could not do. They would get out to a hot start and not be able to make the play offensively or defensively to get the job done. And you pointed out last week, and you were 100% right, Last week, the Colts, uh, the Colts defensively and offensively made that one play to be the closer to end that Chiefs game with a win. And now you see after today's performance, all the different ways they found themselves to shoot you know, themselves in the foot, whether it's Matt Ryan, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the fumbles, whether it's Jonathan Taylor, whether it's the defense, they, the coaching, obviously. So many different ways and so many different contributors that could have stepped up to make a play to get this game tied and take a lead, and instead now could not make a play. And like I said, this is now a team that you know what they are, and it's not a very good team, and it's a team that if you kind of see, look, a quarter way through the season, they're on their way you know, towards the top. 
towards the top of the draft compared towards the top of the division after just another ugly game here for the Colts. I mean, three out of the four games now, they've been completely uncompetitive for at least the first half. Uh, you just can't do that. I mean, I, you, you, that's that's no way to sustain any kind of success in the NFL. You know, when you're putting yourself behind by 17 points in each division game, which they've done now, uh, you know, one that's time through the, through the division. Four straight games going back to last year, too. Yeah, exactly. Four straight games against that's the division going back to last year. You cannot you can't do that. I mean, it's that simple. It's pretty obvious, but it's you can't do that. And I think right now with this team, uh, like I said before, you know, I, I think every time they put out a fire or tamp a fire down a little bit in one area, uh, two or three more, you know, kind of spring up. Uh, Will Fries came in today. I thought the offensive line was better on third down. I think they were seven of 11, something like that on third down. Uh, you know, they had much better day on third down, but you still, you had a couple sacks. There were three sacks. I know one in particular was huge by Autry there late in the game. Um you know, but I really go back to the today for me, the biggest thing is is the ball protection issues when you're fumbling the ball as, as often as, as Matt Ryan is, even the one he didn't lose, ended up short circuiting a drive. You know, you lose by a touchdown. You have three drives at the end of the game there in the fourth quarter. One, you put yourself in, I think, fourth and 26. That was right yep. at the end of the third quarter. But you end up punting from your own 39 from their 39 yard line which you don't want to do but you're in a situation there where it's fourth and 15 and you saw what happened on a 51 yard field goal so it's tough to really send them out there 57 yarder which would have been there the next possession uh you miss a 51 yard field goal and then you fumble or i fumble came in between so then you fumble yes. away the next possession on third and two when you're trying to go in and potentially tie the game and then you have a sack that, that brings up a 51 yard field goal and you miss that one and the titans are able to run out the clock to me, the number one issue today was ball protection. That's been there throughout the year, too. Uh, the off I'm not letting the offensive line off the hook. They didn't have a good game. But even with everything else they went through, if they protect the ball today, they probably win this football game. You you mentioned, George, and it's just like the ball protection here. We'll get to that in one second, but I liked really your point, too. It's just like they found different ways, offensively especially, when they had momentum to – screwed up and kind of, you know, put themselves in a position where they, they can't finish a drive. Hold on, Mark Schlereth said it perfectly. I believe it was either late in the second quarter or early in the third quarter. This Colts team, like anytime they find a way to get a positive play, especially on offense, a 10-yard gain, a third down conversion, a big splash play. There's not a lot, but there was a few splash plays that they made on offense. They always then had someone else step up and find a way to ruin the drive. And like you mentioned, whether it's a bad snap for a fumble, whether it's a sack where you had Matt Ryan, you know, lose 13 yards whether it's Jonathan Taylor we're talking about ball security fumbling on third and one and I know the fumble is going to obviously take precedent there I don't even know if you would have had the first down George if he didn't fumble that that was it was close on third and one you barely got a push and it would have been you know you need a chain measurement to see if he actually got the first down before obviously it didn't matter because he fumbled but you have Matt Ryan taking a, a, a sack like you mentioned there late in the in the game with two and a half minutes left for you to settle then for a 51-yard uh, field goal that was missed. You have Chase McLaughlin missing the 51-yard field goal that didn't really matter at the end, but again, that could have been a bigger play to kind of give the Colts a chance to get the ball one more time and win the game. You have the third down conversion by the defense that they couldn't get one stop to close, you know, get the ball back to the offense. You have even a shanked punt, like you mentioned, when they have to punt from the, the Titans' 39-yard line, and you have Matt Hawk hitting a 20-yard punt and you really don't change the field position whatsoever. They have they have found all different ways in week number four against the Titans to lose the game, to not be able to kind of get over the hump, 
and find a, a new way to lose or, or find a new way to each drive to screw it up. And you only score 17 points, another game where they can't score more than 20 points. And it's, we'll get into, let's just get into ball security now, George. Cause like I said, that, that's kind of the, the, the main key here. Three more turnovers for the Colts. You have a situation where uh, you have a fumble, an interception, a Jonathan Taylor fumble. Matt Ryan continues to uh, really lack ball security. Two of the three touchdowns the Titans scored came off of a turnover. And Matt Ryan now, George, through four games, only four games, has 10 total fumbles. He has five touchdown passes, eight turnovers on the year. It's unacceptable, and like you said, it's one of the biggest reasons why this Colts team is one, two, and one, and getting embarrassed by their own division. Yeah, you know, you, you're not going to overcome that, especially not with all the other problems that they're having right now in offense, with the protection problems on the offensive line, the sudden inability to run the football, which is almost unbelievable. I mean, coming into the year, I don't think you would have expected that at all. Uh, when you're doing those things already, and you're already putting yourself behind the eight ball. Uh, and you're already playing catch up, and then you're turning the ball over on top of that. It's too much to overcome. Uh, nine fumbles officially. They changed one of them. Uh, okay. My I think apologies. they changed the snap. To, no, I mean, I was in the same boat. That's the only reason I know that. They changed one of them on official scoring. Doesn't matter. I don't think nine or 10 is going to make anyone feel any better. Um, you know, four would be too many. Nine yeah. is, you know, way over the top. And, and the thing is, you keep hearing the same thing from this team week after week. You know, we've got to get better. We've got to clean it up. At some point, when you can't clean it up and you can't get better, you're just playing bad football. And I think that's where they're at right now. Uh, you, you you can't – they don't have answers. For one thing, as, as you said with Mark Schlereth, I obviously didn't hear the, the TV broadcast, but um, they can't stand prosperity right now. This team cannot stand any kind of prosperity. Every time they, they get – you know, move forward or, they, or, or the defense gets a big stop – they find a way to shoot themselves in the foot. And it's it's very similar to what the Chiefs did last week. You know, when we were sitting here talking about the Colts taking advantage of those situations. The Colts this week, again, as they did against Houston in week one, too many mistakes and key situations. They had the opportunities. They were there again and again, especially in the second half. The defense kept giving the offense a chance mm-hmm. to get back in the game, and they did not take advantage of it. And these turnovers, too, are so deflated. Like, for me personally, George, We'll get into Matt Ryan or back to Matt Ryan here in a second. But when Jonathan Taylor fumbled on that third and one, like the all the energy I had just completely left my apartment. It's just like it's one of those where it, it's so deflating because you, again, continue to make some big plays. You move the ball down the field. You are starting to see now, like you said, the, the momentum is building. The second half is all you. The Titans offensively just are three and out, three and out, three and out. You're moving the ball. You're getting first downs. Matt Ryan, when he's not fumbling the ball and he's not getting sacked, he's looking pretty good. Like, that's the frustrating part. He's looking a lot more comfortable. You are having different guys, whether it's Alec Pierce now starting to make some big catches, and you see the trust between him and Matt Ryan building. Melody Cox had two touchdowns. Kylan Granson having some big grabs as well. You are now starting to see a lot of the players, George, we had questions about early in the season going into this year, starting to step up now, get comfortable, make plays. And then it's just like always something else that just kills momentum. And it's so uplifting when you get a big play from a guy that let's say right now, you still don't expect to kind of stand out and make a big play, especially on third down. And then it's like the small things like a third and one, hold on to the ball. If you're Jonathan Taylor, if you're Matt Ryan, you're getting hit, put the ball away. Like I don't understand it. George is what a 14 year veteran. And here we are sitting after four games, having to tell a 14 year old veteran who's what 37 years old has seen a lot of football, put the ball. Like this is not Carson Wentz. This is supposed to be a guy who's supposed to be fundamentally sound 
and it's not making those small mistakes that kill you. And again, whether it's a drop snap, whether it's just running the ball, uh, running away with the ball with, with one hand, not two. After a while, George, like you mentioned, it's a lot of talk. It's a lot of, oh, I got to fix this. I got to improve that. We got to do this and do that better in practice. And then you see so far through four Sundays, it's like the, they don't practice at all. I mean, you're there. So obviously they are practicing throughout the week. But I don't know. Do they just pack up shop after the media availability is done and go home? Because especially when it comes to Matt Ryan's ball security, it's the same thing. He's holding the ball with one hand. And anytime he's getting tackled, he's holding out like a, a, a loaf of bread. I mean, it's, it's your month in the season now and, and the same yes. problems keep cropping up. So, you know, they've got to be fixed. There's no question about that. They're not going to move forward until they are. Uh, but it's, it's the same story week after week. You know, they've got to protect better. They've got to protect the ball better. But I think one of the biggest things is when you talk about, you know, Alec Pierce comes through with a huge game today. Mo Alec Cox comes through with a huge game today. Tight ends in general. Kylan Grants and even Jelani Woods had another really big catch and run. Uh, you know, tight ends in general had a, a tremendous game. But as we were talking about after the first two weeks, it's not going to be real helpful to your football team when your big-name guys, your star players, are not getting the job done. You know, Whether it's Matt Ryan's fumbles, whether it's Jonathan Taylor with just 42 yards, and granted, you know, some of the guys up front have something to do with both of those issues. But you know, there's guys up there, too, whether it's Quentin Nelson, whether it's Ryan Kelly, whether it's Braden Smith. You're not getting enough big plays from the guys who are supposed to carry this team. And I think that's... You know, at the beginning of the year, if you said they were going to have a, a game like this where Matt Ryan throws for 350 yards and the tight ends, I think, had over 120 odd yards and two touchdowns. And Alec Pierce is just short of 180 some odd yards for him. Might have been 80 right on the dot. Uh, you'd feel pretty good. But because, you know, the heart and soul of this football team and we've talked about this before, the heart and soul of this football team is the offensive line. And along yes. with that is the running game. And that right now is the most broken part of this football team. And so. I, I don't know, and, and we've said it for, for a month now, I don't know how the offense is going to move forward until they fix that. I thought the offensive line took some steps forward in the pass protection today. They absolutely did not in the run game. And that's, for better or worse, that's who this football team is. They set everything up. When they get Jonathan Taylor going, it, it opens up the rest of this offense. And when you don't get him going, you have nights like tonight. Let's get into, oh, let me ask you this really quickly to kind of put a bow on this conversation in terms of Matt Ryan and the fumbling issues. Nine fumbles through four games. The record is 23 fumbles in one season. Right now, it seems pretty fair. So if you were a betting man, I'd bet that that Matt Ryan's fumble count is going to be over 23 by the time the season ends, which is absurd. And something I was, it was not even on my radar, George, as a possibility heading to this year. I don't, I don't know if you have an answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How do you fix it? Like this is a, a veteran. Is there a way to fix this? I mean, the problem is it's, it's a little bit of different situations all the time, but the vast majority of them, you've just got to tuck the ball in better. I mean, it's as simple as I don't know. I, me personally, I, I would get him on the on the Zoom call with Tom Rathman on Monday. And I mean, that guy works wonders, uh, you yeah. know, teach him that eagle <laughs> claw true. grip and, and, and see what you can do. Because, I mean, the, the second one today was really kind of a fluke kind of a situation. He's going, he's pulling the ball back. He's going to throw it. And the defender's just in the right place at the right time. But that doesn't explain nine of them. You know what I mean? There's right. one or two here and there that are happening that you can kind of say, well, what are you going to do? Uh, but so many of them happen during sacks, you know, strip sack type of situations. And he's got He's just got to protect the ball better there. So, like, my only my only answer is get him get him on the phone with Tom Rathman and uh, see see if the one of the best ball control coaches in the in the history of the NFL can clean it up. I mean, I'll, I'll, anything, George, I'll take anything at this point. Because Honestly, right now, his ball's career looks like he has feet for hands. Like, he holds yep. on to the ball like it's, like, lathered up in, in butter. 
for like for whatever reason, it's just it's slipping out any time possible. Like I said, it's been loose ball security, just, just careless for a veteran, absolutely inexcusable. All right, so we are live right now uh, on Twitter. So we do appreciate all Colts fans that have joined in right now to the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Uh, unfortunately, we, we thought this was going to be a lot more positive of a podcast than it, than it is. It's an extreme infuriating one. Obviously, the Colts do lose 24-17. The Titans won 2-1 and one on the season. Um, if you want to comment on Twitter, either at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three or at GM Bremer on Twitter, please, we'll take your questions because I want to kind of talk about the offensive line, George. And I see a question on Twitter here. I think it's fascinating. John Paul Verrera. I hope I said that right. I hope not. I apologize, John Paul. He asked a great question, and I want to throw it to you first here, George. When it comes to the offensive line, are they overhyped or overpaid? Uh, it's a great question. It's a tremendous a good, question. It, it's a tough one to answer, too. I would say at this point, overhyped probably of those two. I The, the biggest issues have been communication problems early in the year. I thought that's what they cleaned up today. You didn't see as many free rushers. That was the really big problem. Uh, but that means that today was more execution. You know, they weren't getting a push. And that's when you look at 20 carries for 42 yards for Jonathan Taylor. And I think they had 38 or 36 yards overall rushing. Uh, they weren't getting a push. I mean, you talk about that third and two where the fumble comes out. It was going to be really close. They were going to have to measure it, even if he holds on to the ball. But that was, you know, at times last year, that was, that was like a – you know, a putt that you just give to your opponent. Like it, it was a chip in, uh, you know, you had no question about what was going to happen. And this year it feels like they're not, you, you don't have confidence. They're going to get one yard on the ground, uh, you know, on a carry. And so to me, a lot of that, they're not getting that push. I, again, I thought they did a much better job in pass protection today. They had the three sacks. So it wasn't a great job, but compared to the first three weeks, I think it was a step forward. And, it's all for naught because you can't get the running game going even on a, on a basic high school level. To answer the, um, to answer the, the question, at least on, on Twitter, I think I would, I'm with you, Jordan. I think it's overhyped right now more than overpaid because I don't think right now you can fault Chris Ballard when they extended either Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith or Quinn Nelson right now and say, that's a bad move. I mean, all three have earned it. But right now, also, all three are not playing well. Like, all five players are not playing well. And really, you can even say all six. They, they, they made a move, George. We thought a move was going to come after the Denver game in week number five, upcoming on Thursday, if the offensive line continues to struggle. And we saw that move made before even that as, as Will Fry stepped in for Danny Pinner at right guard. And the frustrating part about today is that you're right, George. Miscommunication-wise, there was really none the entire game. To credit Frank Reich, he... Said it, and you mentioned almost guaranteed earlier in the week that listen, the miscommunication issues will be fixed. We will not allow any free rushers, and we will make sure whether the disconnect is between Matt Ryan and Ryan Kelly, Matt Ryan, and some of the, the running backs or tight ends that are missing assignments, whatever it is, it will be cleaned up. To their credit, it was cleaned up, but also more infuriating short three sacks of pass protection, especially the first half was shaky. He was a lot better in the second half. But with that said, too, the run game's like officially dead. Like this is this team was built to be a run first team with this offensive line with the investment in the offensive line with Jonathan Taylor being one of the best backs in the NFL and Chris Ballard's determination to win within the trenches. George through four games, we got to kill that notion. This is no longer a run first team. This is not a team that can lean on their run game getting established. This has to be a pass first team because I tweeted it. I think it was either late in the third quarter or in the fourth quarter. You have to abandon the run. It's absurd to say. And Jonathan Taylor, you have to abandon the run. 
it was a waste of a down, George. They couldn't get any push going like you mentioned. This is a Titans team coming in. It's not like they're playing the 85 Bears defense where this is a great defense. Okay, fine. No one runs them or even the equivalent of, let's say, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense who, who was really good this year. This was a defense that was allowing 145 rushing yards per game, fourth worst in the NFL. They were allowing a league worst 5.8 yards per carry. 5.8 yards per carry. You mentioned it. John Taylor, 42 yards on 20 carries. He himself averaged 2.1 yards per carry. The Colts as a team averaged 1.7 yards per carry and their 38 total rushing yards, fewest since week 12 of 2015. This is embarrassing how bad it was considering how bad that Titans run defense was coming into this week. That's why we had confidence coming in. I mean, when we picked the game, that's that's what you're picking it on. Titans can't stop the run. The Colts are going to get that running game going. And we said then, if they don't, it's going to show that there's a really serious problem. Well, there's a really serious problem. I give Matt Ryan credit because I think he started getting rid of the ball quickly. That got the passing game going. I give those receivers and tight ends credit because they were winning early in the down and they were able to get a lot of yardage in that passing game and, and come back. But as you said, this is a team that is built to run the football and to bully teams around, and they're going to have to change that identity because right now they cannot do that. They absolutely cannot do that. And obviously we don't know Jonathan Taylor's status. I mean, he said after the game that, you know, his status for Thursday night is unknown. But, I mean, I hate to say this, but I feel like there's no other, nothing to say. It almost doesn't matter because if he plays on Thursday night, like I don't see how this, this run game is going to get any better. Like at this point, like you mentioned, this was going to be the game that kind of shows you who this Colts team is. And they showed you this is a Colts team that even with the worst rush defense in the NFL coming into your building, you still can't stop. Like they won't be able to establish the run, I should say, and they won't be able to get any sort of push. And the worst part was George's earlier this year. You look, you can say Danny Pinter was really kind of dragging everyone else down and you can maybe even blame some of the free rushers on, let's say Ryan Kelly over helping on Danny Pinter, maybe Braden Smith over helping on Danny Pinter's guy and allowing another guy to kind of come on in and make a play. But this was a game that, especially in the run uh, run game, and even, too, we saw uh, on a few different pass plays, everyone's getting beat. Matt Pryor getting beat. Okay, not a surprise. That's going to happen. But Quinn Nelson getting beat early in the first half. I forget which defender it was, if it was Danico Autry or someone else. But he's getting beat like a Autry. drum one-on-one. -on -one. It's like when your best guy, when one of the best guards in all the NFL is getting beat one-on-one, -on -one and, and it's just one of those things, this is, this is a situation where it's an epidemic. It's, it's an, a truly an epidemic where if you want to say the Colts team is going as far as the offensive line has taken this year, they're going as far as the top five pick, George. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's it's a disaster right now. I mean, there, there's no there's no question about that. It is a, a five-alarm fire. Uh, this offensive line, you were hoping and, and perhaps believing today would be the day they kind of get back on track. They don't, and if they can't do it against Tennessee, it's really hard to imagine who it's going to happen against. Uh, that, you know, they've, they've got to get those things fixed and they've got to get them fixed in a hurry. But, you know, they keep saying that week after week. And what happens is you end up being in a situation they're in right now, one, two, and one. Their one saving grace is the division they play in. I mean, here we are again, Jacksonville, Tennessee are tied at the top of the division at two and two. And the Colts are one, two, and one and trying to figure out, you know, how to move forward. Um, it's, you know, there's not a lot of time this week. That's for sure. You're going to go to Denver and you're going to face a team over there with, with one of the best defenses in the NFL that defense has been winning games all on its own uh, so far this year not a great challenge for a team that's struggling the way the Colts are right now on the offensive side of the ball
You are right when you say the division is, you know, is giving the Colts extra life because, like you said, the, the two teams tied atop are two and two, and the Colts are one, two, and one. But can we, like, can we honestly realistically say that, George? Because you look at this team, the way they play in the division, they've lost or, or tied the last four division games they played. So it's not like they're even taking care of the division and just losing to other teams. They can't even win right now in their own division. And you look at how they're playing, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, there's, again, outside of the Texans, and even still, that's not even, you know, a gimme right now what we saw in week number one. There's this isn't, there's no, like, must wins or, or feel good wins right now. I should say not, not must wins, but, like, locks to win, whether mm. it's the Jags coming to town in a few weeks, whether it's going to Tennessee in a few weeks, or even, like, I can't even guarantee a win over the Texans right now, George, and, and when they come to town later in the season. Like, like, that's just how bad they're playing, and it's all different areas of the team. Yeah, no, there's, when I say that, that that that's a saving grace, I don't mean that this team is is showing any reason. I'm just saying that right. even though you have struggled the way you have, you're still in it. You know, you still got 13 games left and you're a half game out of first place. Uh, but it's not early right. in the year anymore. You know, I think first couple of weeks you can say it's early. You're trying to figure some things out. It's not early anymore. You've played the first quarter of the season. You're four games in. You are who your your record says you are. You're one, two, and one. And you're having some serious problems in areas that are supposed to be hallmarks of this team. I think that's the biggest, to me, that's the biggest alarm right there. This offensive line is supposed to carry this team. This running game is supposed to lead this team. And right now they're at the top of the list of, of issues, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Matt Ryan has to stop fumbling the football. That's right there as well. The offense in general is at the top of the list of issues. You, you've got to get it fixed and you've got to get it fixed in a hurry. The only saving grace in all that is you have a division that's very forgiving in, in that regard. So if you can get it fixed, you're still alive. I guess that's what I'm saying ultimately. You know what I mean? It, it's it's a major issue. It's a bad football team right now playing bad football. Uh, but if there is any hope moving forward, it is that the division has not taken the advantage to pull away from them, even though they are 0-2-1 within the division itself. Right. If this team is capable of turning it around, then you're 100% right. Then all of a sudden, like, this is the saving grace that they're not buried four weeks in and then, you know, the division winner or leaders four and or three and one. That's a big question. Can they turn around? And right now, you're right. I have no, I have no reason to believe that it absolutely will. Let's put a bow on, on this segment, George, in this, in this conversation with the outfits line with this question. I, is it time to really turn up the heat and really examine the job security of Chris Strausser, the, the, the offensive line coach? Because at least from my perspective, Quit, like Matt Pryor and whoever's the right guard, Danny Pinter, Will Fries, whatever, you know, whatever person you want to put in there, because that seems to be a rotating door. You knew those were weaknesses, and I would put that more on, on Chris Ballard than anyone else. But you look at the three stalwarts and the three studs you have in Quinn Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Brandon Smith. I still think they're good players. I think they're really good players right now that this year so far through three games or through four games, they even go back to last year against Jackson, but to finish the season, the last five games we've seen, they have played their arguably their worst five games. Maybe they've ever played at any level of football their career. I don't think they're bad. We've seen the miscommunication issues get, get, get fixed, and they're still getting beat. At this point, if I'm Frank Reich, I think of a change. I don't I'm, know what like I don't know what else there is to do. I'm with you. I, I think you can make a case very logically that this team has slid backwards each year under Chris Strausser, that they they've taken a step back as, as far as an offensive line play goes. Uh, and, and now it's at a point where it's frankly unacceptable. I mean, that's, yes. that's the bottom line. You cannot play at this level right now on offense in general and on offensive line specifically uh, in, in expect to win games in the NFL. So I, I agree. Um, you know, 
I don't know what's going to happen moving forward, but I think it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had. I'm with you because and also too, not like it's not a secret. Like Frank Reich is on the hot seat, right? And each week his seat is getting getting warmer and warmer. Barring an epic turnaround like we saw in 2018 or even 2021, but it ends in a playoff berth on like last year, Frank Reich's probably at the door this year. So if you're Frank, a little self-preservation, you have to start thinking like, I got to do something. And like you said, I don't know what else offensive line was. I don't know what else there is to do, George. Through four weeks, they have kind of done it all. They've switched out the right guard. They, they have, like you said, they've shored up at least this week specifically some communication issues. And Ryan Kelly, Matt Ryan were a lot better. And there's a lot less free rushers coming in. But again, then you go look, okay, a lot of the, the rushers that were coming on in and pressuring Matt Ryan and stuffing Jonathan Taylor behind the line of scrimmage were just guys that are winning one-on-one. Whether it's technique, whether it's firing off the ball, whether if just the message is getting stale. Like that's also a possibility as well. There's Something you got to look at where if you're Frank Reich, I don't know if you can afford to wait much longer. Again, it's a short week here with, with Denver on Thursday. I'll be shocked if a move happens, let's say, this early. It was basically no time to install or kind of reinstall any new philosophies, whether it's Kevin Mawai or someone else that you want to you know, make uh, the new offensive line coach if a move is going to be made. But you got to look after this Denver game, who has a very good defense, by the way. You're going to Denver. We see the same kind of crap go on. I don't know how Frank can honestly justify not making a move at this point because, like I said, it's a definition of insanity then. We're going to keep doing the same thing over and over again, expect different results with a line right now that's showing you right now with the way everything is, they cannot produce different results, George. Well, I mean, you know, I've been saying all day, I think the offensive line had a better day, and I really do. But at the end of the day, they had a better day, and they gave up three sacks and an average 1.7 yards of carry. So even that is, is a damning kind of statement. For listeners on Twitter, we appreciate you joining us. It is the Blue Horseshoe Pod right here uh, live on Twitter. Post-game reaction to the Colts losing 24-17. Make sure to check us out. Listen, download, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. We record three pods a week, a post-game pod, a midweek pod, and a preview pod. Um, So make sure you check us out, the Blue Horseshoe Podcast with George Bremer and myself, wherever you do get your podcasts. When we return, Colts fans, let's talk about the defense. Great second half. Awful first half. Another slow start for this Colts team overall in general. The return of Shaq Leonard was very, very short-lived. We'll discuss his impact as well. And concern or encouragement about the defense. We'll do that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return. So, again, here's George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. We are at the Blue Horseshoe Pod um, three times a week. This is obviously our post-game pod to react to what is an awful 24-17 loss. Uh, to the Titans, the Colts fall to one, two, and one. I'm sure Jim Mercer right now is fuming wherever he is. Maybe George, we will get a a um another video by his jet. I don't know, you know, maybe before the Denver game to kind of fire the troops up. But so right now, he is stewing for for what is a, another loss, the fifth time in six games, George, to the Titans. And I will say this too. I don't know if you get to seeing as you're leaving the press box here. Um. But the uh, the face that Mike Verba had, the smirk he had, where he kind of knew, like, we have this team's number. It's infuriating. He's right. He's 100% right. But this He's is right. one of those things where it's, I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's just the matchup-wise. They can't beat the Titans anymore, George. Well, it used to be a, a walkover dominant rivalry has flipped on its head the other way. No, there's no doubt about it. Five and six overall, like you said. Four in a row, period. And four in a row right here in Lucas Oil Stadium. So, uh, you just can't you can't have that, you know, and it's that way. It's across the board right now in the division. I mean, they've gone one time through the division. They don't have a single win, which is unacceptable. I don't think anybody's going to be OK with that. 
You know the Jacksonville problems down there. Those have been ongoing now for eight years. Now that you've had this fire, you can't put out with Tennessee at home. This is how you don't win a division title since 2014. you got to take care of these division games. You especially have to take care of the home games. Yes. It's not happening. Uh, there's a lot of reasons behind that. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that need to be fixed, but much like we're talking about, like with the team itself right now, until the offensive line gets it together, it's going to be hard for the team to move forward in the big picture until you start winning games within the division, it's going to be hard for the team to move forward and start talking seriously about playoffs and things like that. Uh, I know one of the topics you want to get to though now, and it, it just, it's really killing me right now to, to watch what happened with, with Shaq Leonard. He comes back mm -hmm. eight months you know, building his way back in here, friendly fire from his from one of his best friends on the team in Zaire Franklin, and he's he's in a concussion protocol. There is no way he'll play Thursday. We know that already. You can't clear in time, right? Uh, and I know that Zaire Franklin in the locker room after the game, uh, it, it's hurting him a lot. You know, he obviously did not mean to do that, uh, but yeah, that to me, I think it took the defense. A little time to recover from that uh and i think it's a testament to the defense that they were able to get it together in the second half and, and kind of overcome that but everything was about your emotional leader coming back the guy who kind of drives this team in so many ways and to see him go down with a concussion so early in the game devastating absolutely devastating like you mentioned and before we even go any further because we talked about this on the preview pod on thursday or friday morning edition excuse me of the blue horseshoe pod and we were both, I think, in agreement and spot on, to be honest, if we can both pat ourselves on the back. There were some questions about uh, Shaq Leonard's toughness. Why is he not playing? He's practicing. How come he's not on the field? I think in the small glimpse in the quarter of a half that you saw Shaq Leonard on the field today, you saw why Frank Reich, Shaq Leonard himself, took their time in getting him back on the field. He did not look like himself, I, th I thought, at all. He really made no impact. He had two tackles. He was kind of always either getting blocked out of the play, a step slow in either covering or trying to get to Derrick Henry. You could tell this is a guy who has not played football in over eight months and is still rusted to still trying to get, you know, back in football shape. And that is again, why he's been practicing in full for the better part of a month. And for the first three games, still is not on the field and able to play. He is so far to, to go still in terms of being back to the old Shaq Leonard that we saw is flying around, making plays, being a tackling machine because when you, when you're basically rehabbing for the entire off season, George, it takes so long to get back into just football shape and then get back to game speed that you saw, even in just a short time, he's out there for a quarter and a half. He's right now still nowhere near his top level of play. And now that concussions is going to set him back a little bit right. more. I mean, he's not going to get to practice this week. Not that there'll really be intense practices this week. Anyway, uh, you've got basically two days of, of walkthroughs and then you're going to get on a plane and go play Denver. So, you know, it's not like he's going to miss a ton from this week, but it just, it's another setback. Uh, and it really just, it's, it's heartbreaking because this is a guy who loves the game like none other. And uh, to see him just have to keep going through these, these kind of adversity, um, you know, I know that he's a guy that'll come back from it. I know by the end of the year, we'll be talking about how amazing it is to see him out there playing at the level that he is, because uh, that's who Shaq Leonard is. Uh, but it's just on, on a really dark day for the Colts. I think that's one of the more devastating things that happened. And boy, the Colts could use him, George, because we came into this game. You know, it's not a secret the Tennessee Titans are going to try to do. It's establish Derrick Henry, run him, run him, run him. You know, that's going to be the way that they uh, have success in offense. 
And the frustrating part, similar to the Colts offensive line not being able to establish the run against one of, if not the worst rush defense in all the NFL, the Titans had coming in. On the flip side, Derrick Henry looked mortal. Like he looked like yeah. a average running back through the first three games. I believe off the top of my head, he had 192 total rushing yards through three games. And he comes in on, on today, he comes in today with a banged up offensive line the Tennessee Titans had 22 carries, 122 yards. He had a touchdown, 33 yards receiving as well. So 155 total yards for Derrick Henry. And especially in that first half, he set the tone. The Colts had no prayer of stopping. I think he had like seven yards of carry at one point. It was absurd. And he really, for that first half, was the reason why the, the Titans were up 24-3. And his first half effort, even the Titans, had, even though they had to hold on for deal for the second half, that first half where he was unstoppable was the reason why that the Titans won, the, one of the reasons why the Titans won the game. Yeah, he set the tone right from the start. You know, I think this defense is going to be very angry with itself, as it should be. They came in as one of the best run defenses in the league, uh, and they were not able to they, – they got run over in the first half. There's no question about that. They got it together, to their credit, in the second half. They did a great job in the second half, kept putting the offense back out there, giving them a chance to come back and win, and the offense unable to finish the job. Uh, but, again, you can't you can't start like that. I think those are the two biggest things as, as we look at this one, two-and-one start. The, the self-inflicted wounds, whether it's the, the offensive line not playing to its level, whether it's the turnovers, those kind of things have been a really big factor in all this. The other part of it is the slow starts on both sides of the ball. Took the defense two quarters to kind of get back to where you expect them to be. Now, second half, they look like they can play you know to the level that we know that they can play at. But by that time, it was a 21-point deficit, and the margin of error was so small that, you know, that fumble on third and two and a third down conversion by Tennessee and a missed field goal is enough to to tip it over and, and the Titans get another win here. And that's what's so, and that just, it goes right back to coaching too, George. And I think I put a lot of that on mm-hmm. Frank Reich for their slow starts on both sides of the ball. And that's honestly now, if you, if you want to take a, a, if we take back, step back here for a second, look at the entire five-year era of Frank Reich starting in 2018, that's been their hallmark. They have started slow. For the most part, whether it's starting slow in a game or starting slow in a season, that has been, for the most part, the theme of the Frank Reich era. And to their credit, they have been, I mean, it's fair to say an elite second half kind of team, if if you will. Like it's, I know they come short last year, but they've been a great second half team for the most part of the Frank Reich era. But to your point, especially this year with this specific team and how it's constructed, they are not good enough to have a slow slow start to the season, a slow start to the first half, and say, ah, oh, screw it, all right, we're down 24-3, no problem, we'll race that in a second here and, and win the game. They're not good enough to throw away an entire half of bad playing defense, of sloppy playing offense, of turnovers, of, of fumbles, of, of bad offensive line play, of not establishing the run, and just turn it on in the second half and make enough plays to win. That has been the, the, the bugaboo. The slow starts have to change it, and I don't know, again, what else... You can do it. It's on Frank Reich, and I don't know why his message is not getting through because it's not like there wasn't a sense of urgency to these games, George. You're not playing the the worst team in the NFL. This is a big game, and here we are, another game we're talking about them slow start and look lethargic in the first half. Especially today, you know, and and the owner was out front of it saying, you know, this is a huge game. He's on Twitter telling the fans to get ready all week. Yeah, Uh, You know, there's no question about the importance of this football game. It's really weird because last year was kind of on the the flip side of it. Last year, they they get off to a great start. That scripted period looked great. They'd be ahead by two touchdowns. And then 
They wouldn't do anything the rest of the game. And now it's almost like it's completely reversed. They get off to a terrible start. They can't do anything. And then some point in the second half, a flip get a switch gets flipped and, and they're able to start moving the football. Uh, you're not going to be able to operate like that. I mean, it, it's that simple. You can't fall behind by 17 points every week, which they've done in three out of four weeks, and hope to recover and, and win games. That That's no way to live. Uh, at, at any level of football, it's definitely no way to live in the NFL. And you saw it today. I mean, the hole was just too big. They started to make that comeback. Uh, they still couldn't stop shooting themselves in the foot. And, and ultimately, the hole was just too big. Uh, and you, you look, you know, how do you turn that around? I don't know. But I know this. At the end of the day, when, when you're not disciplined and, and they've had far too many penalties this year, I don't think anyone's going to deny that. It's way too many flags that are just yep. extending other other teams drives or putting themselves behind the hole when you're sloppy with all these turnovers and, and, and missed assignments and things like that, it's always going to come back on the head coach. There's no question about it. And so th- that's why the seat's hot. It's, it's why the talk is the way that it is right now. You won two and one with a football team that came in with expectations to win this division and maybe make a run in the playoffs. Bottom line, that's always going to fall on two people, the head coach and the quarterback, and they're taking the most Absolutely. heat right now. And two, you mentioned, George, like the margin of error when you have such a, a slow start to these games like the Colts have done recently. You give yourself no margin of error. If you think about it in the second half, for how good that Colts defense was, one of the reasons why they lost the game, they allowed one first down in the second half. One. That one first down in the second half, you could say, was another reason why they lost the game. It, think about how insane that is. But again, when you get shredded for 24 points, you know, Derrick Henry to, to be a man possessed in the first half. You now put yourself in such a position that in the second half, in, in to give your offense one more chance to win, you cannot allow literally one first down, uh, or or this you know this game is already over sooner than maybe it, it should have been. That's how crazy, and that's how much the Colts have just killed themselves with these awful starts to where you almost put yourself in an impossible position. Now some of that was also on the offense as well for fumbling and turning the ball over, but it's like you ask your defense because they're so bad in the first half to now basically be at an elite level. And they did, to their credit, for every drive except the last one, they were they stepped up to the challenge. But again, you get one stop in the first half, maybe now, okay, you give yourself a little breather to maybe allow a short drive or allow a field goal like you're going to have in most games. I mean, no other team is as bad as the Titans are in the second half. But it's just like, even too, you look at Ryan Tannehill, we talked about him. That guy was played now, you know, really well against Colts. Only, only one loss in his career, and to the Colts' credit, they got after him, got a few sacks. But in terms of pass breakups, like we saw last week against the Chiefs, that was not there. He's seventeen and twenty-one, hundred thirty-seven yards again. He didn't do a lot, but also especially in the first half, Tannehill with his either his arm or his legs made the plays to extend drives to help build up that twenty-four-three lead. That's almost most times insurmountable, and it was again yet today. Yeah, I mean, that's the bottom line. you you got to play better early in these games. And until they do, uh, it's going to be the same song again and again on, on all of our postgame podcasts. You know, I mean, if you play in the first half like you did in the second half, we're talking about a victory. We're talking about a two-game winning streak. We're talking about can they recover in time for, for Denver. None of that happens because you put yourself in a 24-3 to hole and you're going home with one of the more devastating losses of a season filled already with devastating non-wins. Uh, you know, because the tie, I'm gonna say, it was a devastating tie in week one, absolutely. Uh, and that's it's haunting them already. I mean, we talked about it at that time, that was a missed opportunity. It's haunting them already. It's the reason they're not in a first place tie, despite everything else that's gone on right now, because you can't get that that deal closed in week one in Houston. 
look, right now, you can sit there and you can say, if only this, if only that. Those ifs add up, and when they add up to the level they are right now, it equals, at this point in time, this is a bad football team. Doesn't mean they're going to stay a bad football team, but at this point in time, this is a bad football team. Perfectly said. I Honestly, I can't add anything else to that, George, because you're 100% right. Uh, there's at least, through four games, I can count probably 50 ifs if this happens or if that happens. Like I said, they should be easily, I don't say, they should be 4-0 easily. But here we are sitting here talking about a 1-2-1 one, and one team, like I said, with about 50 different ifs that are reason now, right now, they have a losing record and they are sitting now, right now, feeling-wise, emotions-wise, as one of the most frustrated teams and fan base-wise, as Colts fans, one of the most frustrated fan bases so far through the first month of the season because they have just found new ways to lose and it's almost always been self-inflicted, George, one way or another. I really can't think of a through four games, a team that's really made one big play. Like you can make the, the the argument the third down conversion for the Titans was the one big play that was made this year by a team that really kind of helped win. Jacksonville made a few plays as well, but really outside of that, it's been mostly Colts self-inflicted with bad penalties, with bad blocking, with bad turnovers. They found new ways each and every game to have a loss. And here we are after week four into October now at one, two, and one. So Colts fans, appreciate you for turning out here and joining into the live post-game edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. 24-17, as you know, the Colts do fall to the Titans 1-2-1. The next game is on Thursday night against the Broncos. We will be back middle of the week to kind of both reassess, pick up the pieces from this just devastating loss to the Titans and also kind of start to get ahead to preview. What could be, George, my goodness, a very ugly game uh, against the Broncos in Denver on Thursday night. So we know, I, mean, I just want to throw this in real quick. You know, we know Shaq Leonard is going to be out. That's a, that's right. guaranteed. We don't know about Jonathan Taylor. He came out and talked after the, the well, after uh, the locker room closed the day. You give him credit for that. Came out and faced music. Uh, but he, he injured his ankle and he said he's not sure. You know, he's got to wait. He's going to see what it feels like going up in the morning. He feels good right now. But he's going to see how that feels waking up in the morning. Not a lot of time to get that ready either. So we know Shaq Leonard's out. And we'll see on the, on the midweek pod. We should have an update on that. May not have Jonathan Taylor either on Thursday. And if you do, it's going to be safe to say, George, a hobble Jonathan Taylor, which, I mean, a healthy Jonathan Taylor right now is struggling to find gaps and kind of, you know, burst through holes. I can't imagine, you know, how much tougher it's going to be for a hobble Jonathan Taylor if he's able to play. And if not, it's going to be tough sledding for that Colts run game that right now has been unable to generate really any sort of buzz anyway. So make sure you're, you're liking and subscribing to the Colts uh, or to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast, I should say, wherever you do get your podcasts. We're here, again, three times a week, post-game, midweek, and, and then game preview pod each and every week. And if you're not listening to the pod, make sure you follow us on Twitter to hear our thoughts about the Colts as well. We're not on the pod. Follow George on Twitter at GM Bremer. Follow me on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. We'll be back again midweek pod to preview the Broncos Thursday night game. Appreciate all those on Twitter who tuned in. Appreciate all of you who do listen to the pod. And we'll talk to you in a few days to hopefully give you some optimism to believe going to Denver, the Colts have a chance. So we'll talk to you soon right here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast.